Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So happy year of blessing and welcome to the next in our series as we continue to look through Genesis as we kick off this year. You may have already heard the talk I did a little while ago about the Sabbath and we saw there how God demonstrated something to us which we can read about in scripture, how a principle, a principle was shown to us by God in the Old Testament. He did something to show us how to live the blessed life. And then this principle was then set up to enshrine in his law as a precept, a a law, in order that the people of God would practice the principle. And as they internalised the external law and it was written on their hearts, the idea was that then they would live differently so that the whole earth would see that. And then in the New Testament, because people were getting it wrong and getting God wrong and to the extent that was happening Uh, about various principles that were enshrined as precepts to be kept and practiced, Jesus himself would come and he said, now I say to you, you've heard it was said to you, but now I say to you, here's how you really live that principle out. So for instance, he says the Sabbath was not made for God because he didn't need to rest. The Sabbath was made for man, but man was not made for the Sabbath. And he said, we can do good for God anytime, any day. And Actually, he's now become our Sabbath. We saw that because we were made to live from a place of rest and trusting in Jesus 24-7 every day. So, while that being one day in seven would set aside something as the Sabbath, now in the New Testament, we're meant to be a Sabbath people who are are just trusting in Jesus because he's the one who, who fulfills the law, the only one who could really do it perfectly. And the way that he does that is he says that these things in the law were a shadow and he's the substance. So if you've already got that already, great. It's going to help you today as we look at what we're going to look at today of first fruits. If not, you can always go back and watch that talk and think about it and pray about the Sabbath because that kind of application is going to help us many more times. But as we're going to look at this similar principle today as it's Ivy's day for first fruits you know every year this opportunity if you've been here for a while if you're here before Christmas we said we want to not go crazy but rain it in at Christmas so we can give it in in the new year and we've done it for well over a decade now we've been able to do and start so many wonderful things through this offering we could not have done those things we could not have budgeted for them necessarily because we don't know what opportunities we're going to get so I don't know hundreds of thousands of pounds I imagine have, have come in through First Roots over the over the years and there are projects that we would um, love to do like a new kitchen area here at the Didsbury site and more still to do so we can operate the sensory room really well at Cheadle Hume but really this isn't because of this project or that project we give loads of it away anyway it's because we love God and we want to just trust him and show him every year we're putting you first because that's what First Roots giving means for us and guess what Though I know many of you will give to this generously, even sacrificially today, maybe for the first time. We always only want to do it joyfully. The Bible says we must never ever give from a sense of compulsion. You know, God won't love you any more because you do, and he could never love you any less. He already showed us how much he loves us when he gave his only son. And the Bible says if he did that, then why would we think that together with him, 
Why would we not think that he'd keep on giving whatever we need? Listen, if you go on the internet, you don't have to search very long. If you put word, the word first fruits in there, you're going to see some teaching video or another telling you that you don't have to give first fruits. You don't have to give first fruits. And you don't have to tithe. And you don't have to do all these things. You know what? They're right. There are all kinds of things that love does that it doesn't have to do. The whole idea of giving first fruits is Old Testament, people are going to say. As if we don't uh, have any, any relation to the Old Testament anymore. Well, yeah, again, they'll say, you don't have to do that. It's law. And you're right. You don't have to do anything. But love does what it doesn't have to do. It's similar to when people say tithing, giving God back 10%. Oh, that's Old Testament. I don't have to tithe. That's probably the one thing I've most had people get up all up in my face about teaching on over the years. But I'm, all, I look, I'm okay with that. Honestly, really, at least they're being honest. And when they're coming up like that, they're showing me that they don't want to do it. And, and, you know, I've never had anybody come up saying, how dare you try and restrict my giving to God to 10%. Of course, that isn't why people are coming up. And at the same time, I'm not teaching it as a principle from the Old Testament as law, because Abraham actually gave back to God a tithe through a priest of a victory that God had given to him. He recognised that. And he said, I just want to give something back to God. And, and he gave a tenth. And God never said, I want you to give 100% back or 50% back. It's just a guideline and a principle, this area of putting God first, which means I recognise he's the owner, he's the provider, and I just want to do what he says with what he gives. Then, oh, by the way, Jesus comes along in the New Testament, he's talking with the Pharisees who are still tithing, but they're also cheating and being dishonest with all the rest of the percent. And he doesn't say, you've heard it was said, but now I say to you, stop tithing. No, he doesn't say that. He says, you should still practise the former, tithing without neglecting without without neglecting honoring God with all the rest so once again we have to read and know the Old Testament so it becomes a guide to provide a principle and we often will see a practice that if we apply it over time we'll live a different life that shows the most important thing to us is that God is first you see, you make him the big rock and you build your life around him as your foundation. Yes, with your finances, with your family, with your work, with your worship and your decisions in every area, put God first. Which again brings us nicely onto the idea of first fruits because today we have the opportunity to be able to give over and above in cheerful generosity. We don't have to, but this really can be a great test of my heart and my life's priority because if I have an interest, if I have a heart for something, it's going to show up in my spending and in what I give to. If I love somebody, I'll show them because of what I give in all kinds of ways. Rick Warren says, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And so First Fruits asks me, like the story of Cain and Abel that we saw there so clearly, whether what I'm giving is, is just leftovers and whether I'm putting God first and trusting him. Or actually, who am I trusting? Am I trusting more that the economy will somehow bounce back and maybe we won't be in recession with all this fear around us? Am I trusting the prime minister? Am I trusting the government? Am I trusting my boss? Or am I trusting myself? And I'm hoping that God will bless all those other things that I'm trusting in rather than to say, God, it's you. You're the one I trust. The other week, when we talked about the Sabbath, you might remember that I... I talked about those big rocks and the jar and how we have to put the big rocks in first so they don't get squeezed out. And the idea was, when that was first written about by a guy called Stephen Covey, 
um, was to live with first things first, that we would make decisions, all of us, about, and we all do, about what's going to be most important, and we live accordingly, rather than just responding to what's urgent. And we already showed, I hope, how that applies to our time, but it also applies with regard to money, doesn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I've been through a season recently where it seemed we've had, personally, all kinds of urgent demands and calls financially, one thing after another. Just got another one in today. <laughs> Some things that we planned for, others that we couldn't have foreseen, and then, you know, it just seems the prices are rising and the money income isn't going up necessarily. There's been times when, even though we were doing our best and not spending, I was still like, I just don't know how we're going to get through this. There, there just seems to be a lot more month left at the end of the money, as they say. Then, you know, you know what this is like, another urgent call just the other week. The, the car engine blew up pretty much on Boxing Day and, you know, so many things that just come out of nowhere, coming to, to draw on funds and to drain my money out. Actually, now, when I think of it as my money, maybe um, I'm supposed to be a steward and maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe if I think it's my money, then the problem is I better come up with the solutions myself. And I don't know if, actually, I look back, if I always prayed as if God is my source of supply, I'm wondering how many times I worried when I look back and, and where that ends up um, would get me in a position where I'm not going to be in a position of faith and really wanting to offer something of faith today. So, I don't know about you, like I say, maybe you're doing great, you're doing okay, and maybe some people in the recent times have had an excess, an overflow. Maybe if that's true, you still have to go to God as your Lord and say, thank you, Lord, for blessing me like this. Now, what do you want me to give? And what do you want me to give sacrificially? See, of course, we never want to get anybody in debt to give. That's not sensible. That's just foolish. It breaks the principles, as far as I'm concerned, because God says here that a debtor is slave to the lender and he wants us to be free so that we can freely receive and freely give. And we want to help people to back away from debt. We talk about that a lot. And we help many people who are in debt get out of debt through our cap ministry. So I'm not talking about somebody drowning in debt and saying, you should give today. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about counting our blessings in the year of blessing and assessing what it is that God has given you and really thinking and, and praying from gratitude and from faith. How do I give the very best I can? which will be different at various ages and stages and throughout our lives. And yeah, I do encourage parents to talk with children about this too and include them because you can bet the world out there is telling them what to do with 100% of what they have and what they will get in the future. They're, they're going to be told to spend 110, 120% of it and get in debt and, and just go and get everything that you want and get it now. But when you do get it, you do pay later. And we have to teach these things to our young people. Nobody told me growing up anything like that. It took years of trying to find out and obey God before I ever got into any kind of different place to be able to give so much more and love it. And yeah, I think we do expect to be part of this church. If you love the Lord and you believe in the vision here, if you say you're growing as a disciple, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he saved you. But if you say that, that you, you realise how much it cost for God to give everything his one and only firstborn son. If you get that and you're saying you want to honour him with your life, I think it's reasonable to expect, expect that that's going to translate into how you honour him financially during the small amount of time, relatively, that you have to worship him here on earth before you get to heaven, where there'll never be any opportunity to, to give anything except praise forever and ever. So, 
looking at the principle of first fruits, it started before the law. Now I could say we see it there with Cain and Abel and what they brought to the Lord and how that showed their true hearts. But you know what? It's even earlier than that. It's not about law because it didn't just start in the law any more than the Sabbath started in the Ten Commandments. When did, when did Sabbath start? We saw it started in creation. And in the garden where Adam and Eve were placed, Eden um, actually means pleasant place. In that pleasant place, God came and he would talk with them. He would walk with them. What, what did he talk with, with them about? Well, he talked about fruit. <laughs> Maybe we couldn't see this for the trees, but here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, it says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What grows on trees? Well, we all know it's not money, because our mum used to say that, but why, why are these fruit trees there? As a test, what will they do? They'll show what Adam and Eve love. By the way, as you read the next couple of verses, we'll see as part of the continuing story of creation that God created a place where there is gold, it says. Havilah, in verse 12, says the gold there is good. Like all the other good things that God made and said that's good, he blessed gold. And he said, it's good. Rather than renouncing all material possessions and saying poverty is good, anybody who's really poor, by the way, would say that poverty is not good. But while greed isn't good, wealth is not necessarily bad. It's not what some people think and call like filthy lucre that's to be avoided. Gold was created good and it can be used for good. It's a blessing. But it can also become a curse if it's mishandled or if we become possessed by what we're supposed to possess. The Jewish rabbis have always taught that, that, that gold and material things and business and those things are good. That's why Jewish people often have a much more healthy perspective on business and money as a good thing rather than a kind of necessary evil. But, you know, by the way, when was the last time you ever saw a movie where a successful person in business was ever presented positively? You know, profit can be good in its own right because it can help to, to pay for people to have a life rather than just giving them arms. It isn't necessarily a bad thing to have material possessions. Again, it's our attitude that counts. So we don't know what kind of fruit hung on those trees, but a lot was hanging on what the first humans did with it. And as we track through the rest of the story, we know God spoke a really clear warning like a good parent to his children to do with their choices. Verses 16 and 17 say, The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, eat from it, you will certainly die. What's he saying? Put me first. How? By obeying me. Look at what I've provided for you to show you how much I love you. Look at it all and then listen to what I say. There's so much food and everything that you need here. Enjoy all the gifts and the blessings. Just trust and obey me and do what I say with this part of what I've provided, with this fruit on these trees. And that, what they do with it, will show what's really going on in their, in their hearts. And of course, we all know how the story goes. They didn't put him first. They thought, well, we know best. They didn't get to eat the fruit from the other tree, the everlasting life fruit. Death came instead until Jesus came to die on a tree so that we can eat of what grew in that ground 
now and live forever again. That's why the Apostle Paul would write to the church. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in its own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. So there again, first fruits is in the New Testament. All the rest was shadows pointing forward to Christ who is the substance. Having established the pattern or the principle in creation with what happened with the very first fruit, God then gives a precept or a law to try and embed the principle in his people's hearts. Give me the first, do what I say with it. Give me the best, sacrifice it to me. The first of your crops, the first of your harvest, the first of your livestock, that's how it, how it comes out in the law. Set them apart as holy to me and then give them back to me so I can bless you. I can give me the first and I'll bless the rest. Give me the first at the Passover so I can save you from death and destruction and so so you'll be blessed. You're going to live in the land of Goshen where I'll provide specifically for you no matter what's going on around you and all the plagues befalling them. He says, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. He tells them in Exodus. 16 times God says about the firstborn in scripture, it's mine. What's first belongs to me. I want it. Why was he so into the firstborn? Because ultimately we would be saved through him giving his firstborn. The first given redeems the rest, so it's blessed and not cursed. These gifts, they were a shadow. Christ is the substance, as it says in Colossians chapter 2. Firstborn, first fruits, first place. The first bit, the first portion. When that's given, it affects all the rest and has power to redeem the rest. That's why Paul says later in Romans, for the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. That's why God wants to give us to give first to him. Not leftovers, not once we've paid the rent and whatever else we want to buy and anything else we want to do and then we'll give him to him. No, giving to him first says, I'm putting you first. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, what's the first commandment? Do you remember? You shall have no other gods before me. God says, I'm first, so put me first. That's the first commandment. All the others flow out of that. It's how we show we love him and that will show in how we love others. Now, of course, in our day, it's easy for us to shrug our shoulders and assume, well, these are just Old Testament and Old Testament commandments and, and uh, you know, way back then for people coming out of Egypt. And, you know, and they, they bowed down to a golden calf and said, these are our gods. And he was protecting them from that. That's, you know, they were saying, this is what we trust in. These are our gods that delivered us. And, and now we may, may not see how such a thing as a golden calf could be relevant to us today. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever been really tempted to melt down all the earrings and jewellery I can find in the house and try and construct a golden calf or some other, you know, statue of Baal or something and put it in the house. But that doesn't mean that people, even those of us who'd say we're God's people, are not committing idolatry. Because it's still about who's first or what's first, what you're worshipping, what you're hoping will save you, what you're trusting in, that is your God. I wouldn't want to assume that we are really all always putting the real God first, however much we might say it 
or sing it simply because there are so many other options available to us in our world that demand first place that we give our devotion and our attention and our focus and our sacrifice yes our worship to that's why Romans chapter 1 in, describes a spiral of sin and evil and the world falling apart that starts when people turn their back on the Creator it says they exchange worship of him for worship of created things they worship each other sexually self first leads to destruction of people and damage to everything when people look to what's created rather than the creator hoping that that will give us life that will give us the greatest pleasure or satisfaction or we'll find our security there or even that that would provide our identity rather than him it inevitably leads to death the bible says and god hasn't changed his mind he's not moved with the times i'm afraid he still wants first place when we put him in that right place in our lives then we're in the right place for him to bless our lives. The Lord desires and deserves to be first, the biggest rock, the priority, singular, in everything and before everything else and everybody else. Which makes sense because he started out in the first place and he was there before everything and he will outlast everything and everybody too. But anything else that I might put in first place or anybody else, including trying to put myself first, just leads to disappointment because it's not perfect it's mortal it's flawed and fragile and failing and one day it will fade away but only he remains so i don't know about you but i don't have a golden calf in the living room but how can i really know what's first and the answer's found when i track back from what i give my focus my attention to mostly what do i put my trust in and what do i look to to get my identity what is my God really? Now, we will be tested on that question many, many times all throughout our lives. Who's first? What's first? I've messed that up. Not just before I gave my life to Jesus, when I realised that he'd given his life to save me, even since then, I've had so many times when I, I wish I could say that I put him first in my choices, my relationships, the management of my time and even my money since then. I wish I could say that I'd had a perfect record of that even though he could not have been clearer, and even though I really wanted to, even though in my best moments, and especially in worship, there's been times I've said, Lord, it's all about you. You get first place. I wish I could tell you that it had always gone like that, but worries get in the way, and wants get in the way, or whatever came along and took first place. But today, first fruits, first fruits you and I get to another chance another chance to choose and like there were those trees in the garden I want to choose today what gives me life and that is doing what he says so right now whether you're online or here in person we all have the chance and the choice in in view of God's mercies the Bible says present yourself now as an offering to him that's what matters most give yourself first to the Lord that's true worship he gave himself for me, I, oh Lord, I give myself back to you now, here and now. And I'm sorry that I've had other gods before you. Sorry for all those things that I've looked to, to give me security or significance or even identity. Thank you, Lord, that you came as a sacrifice to save me. Lord, in your word, it says, you said, here I am, I've come to do your will. And then you gave your life, gave everything. Nobody took it from you, but you gave it to redeem and rescue me us on the cross it costs you everything and you, ever since then you've never stopped loving me you've never stopped giving to me throughout the whole of my life lord and so just take a moment and you pray to him just talk to him ask him 
What do you want me to do now, Lord? Is there something that you've already told me, Lord? Help me to do what you say. Consider how much he loves you. Remember how much he's done for us. Surrender to his love and tell him, I trust you, Lord. We trust you. We put you first. We seek first your kingdom. And we want to give back to you a first fruits offering, saying you're first. And I can't wait to see what that will open up, multiplying the blessings of the kingdom in this year of blessings when we put first things first. With no compulsion, no obligation, not because of law, but because of love. Lord, bless what we give and bless those who give. In this first fruits offering of 2023, for the glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.